explaining the Holy Spirit to people and experiencing the Holy Spirit are two completely different things. At our church, we don't just teach about the power of God. We experience the power of God. That's how you know the difference. Explaining about the Holy Spirit and actually experiencing the Holy Spirit for yourself is like the difference between you being in love, somebody else having never been in love, and you trying to explain to them what it feels like. I mean, where would you begin, right? Explain it to somebody what it is like to be in love. You could, you could try to explain it all day long, but until they have those butterflies in their stomach and they can't see or hear anything other than that person, they can't see any of their flaws, right? And everybody else can, but they can't, right? It's like you go insane for a while and nobody can, can talk you out of it. That's what being in love is like. Nothing else matters. Experiencing the Holy Spirit and being told about the Holy Spirit is like this. It would be like, it'd be like if, if uh, I said, hey, Michaela, my wife and I would love to take you upstairs after this service to Ventana's. And so here's the menu, okay? I want you to read that menu, okay? And then we're going to go after the service. All right, so now it's after the service, and she has decided what she uh, once, and then I, the waiter comes up to her and says, yes, what would you, what would you like off that menu? And she says, oh no, I, I don't plan on eating the food. Uh, I have everything I need right here. In fact, I've memorized the menu. This is, this is, this is all I need right here. Oh, you don't want to actually taste the food? Oh no, I don't believe in that. That's what it's like when people say, all you need is the Bible, but you don't need to experience what's in the Bible. Hello? Okay, we're not going to have any of that foolishness up in here, all right? At the Gathering Place Church, we honor the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, you have no chance of experiencing anything from God. Everything that Jesus bought and paid for us to have, which is all of heaven's resources, is released into the earth and into your lives through no one other than the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen? amen? All right, so today I want to talk to you about how to experience the Holy Spirit. But before I do that, I want to do a real quick run through, like skip a rock across the lake, of what life would be like without the Holy Spirit in our lives. Okay, are you ready for this awful little trip we're going to take? Here we go. Without the Holy Spirit in our lives, number one, there would be no salvation. Titus 3, 4, and 6 says this. Now, whenever you see the word spirit or Holy Spirit, I want you to shout it out loud, all right? You're going to help me? All right, here we go. Let's see how good you do. And you online as well. But when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the... He, he, genu- he genu- generously poured out the upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Without the Holy Spirit, there'd be no sanctification. Sanctification is different than salvation. Salvation is, I'm a sinner. I have no hope. I'm going to hell when I die. What can I do about it? God says, I got your problem fixed. Sent his son, slaughtered him on the cross. His blood poured out. 
That was the forgiveness of your sins. He rose from the dead. You receive Him as your Savior. He breathes His Spirit into you. You're born again. You're, you're a, a new creation, the Bible says. But then there's this process of you becoming less awful and more like Christ. And that is a lifelong process. That's called sanctification. But you cannot change yourself. Anybody? I mean, how long do New Year's resolutions last? Two days. We got two. Do I hear three? Do I hear three? Right? You can't change yourself. We try it and we try it and we try it. We cannot. It's only, and especially, even if you can break a habit, replace it with a good habit, you cannot become like Jesus Christ without the Spirit of Jesus Christ in you. All right? So, sanctification. Now, watch for, the, watch for the key words here. So, all of us who have had that veil removed, which is spiritual blindness, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are being changed into his glorious image without the holy spirit there'd be no miracles the bible says i ask you again does god give you the holy Holy spirit Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law of course not it's because you believe the message you heard about christ without the holy spirit there would be no divine healing the bible says in acts 10 38 and you know how god anointed jesus of nazareth with the come on church with the and with power then jesus went about doing good healing all who were oppressed by the devil for god was with them without the holy spirit there'd be no divine righteousness peace and joy for the kingdom of god is not a matter of eating and drinking but righteousness peace and joy in the holy spirit. without the holy spirit there'd be no divine love the bible says in romans 5 5 and hope does not put us to shame because god's love has been poured out into our hearts through the who has been given to us there'd be no divine comfort isn't this awful Isn't this horrible you don't get any of this stuff without the holy spirit don't get mad at me i'm just telling you the bible some of these looks i'm, I'm, I'm having over on this side of the church over here this is the happy church over here over i don't know what's happening over here there'd be no divine comfort without the holy spirit i'll come over here But when the helper, the comforter, the encourager comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. You would not be able to know Jesus without the Holy Spirit. In the book of Matthew, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Simon answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. I like what Mark said um, a couple weeks ago. If somebody can talk you into believing in Jesus, they can talk you out of it. But when you meet Jesus yourself, forget about it. You could have the most intelligent critic of Christianity on the planet uh, debate me about Christ, and he or she would never, ever, ever, ever be able to convince me because Jesus revealed himself to me. 40 years ago and he has done so over and over and over and over again but the holy spirit is the one who does that without the holy spirit you cannot understand the bible second peter says above all else however when remember that none of us can explain by ourselves a prophecy in the scriptures that's why when people teach the bible in schools and yet they're they're not they don't have the holy spirit it's just foolishness it's just a history book to them for no prophetic message ever came from the human will but people were under the control of the Holy 
Holy Spirit as they spoke the message that came from God. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't worship God. The Bible says this in Galatians 4, 6. To show that you are His children, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. The Spirit who cries out, my Father, my Father. Josh is going to teach on that next week. There's no divine guidance without the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. No gifts of the Holy Spirit without the Holy Spirit. That's kind of self-explanatory. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. Here are some of the gifts of the Spirit we don't get if you don't have the Holy Spirit. Prophecy, serving, teaching, leading, giving, encouraging, mercy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, working of miracles, gifts of healings, gifts of faith, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, administrations, and hospitality. Now, some of these gifts are natural gifts that the Holy Spirit empowers and they become supernatural. Some of these gifts, you will never even see them because they are purely from the Holy Spirit. And in our church, we say we want every single one of these gifts, right? Every single, we want everything the Holy Spirit has to offer. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 says, but the Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, but the produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no divine prophecy, dreams, or visions. Acts 2 says... Know what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel, Peter says. In the last days, which the days we're living in, God says, I will pour out of my spirit, spirit upon all people. Everybody say all people. all people. Not just the select few, not the professionals, not the special people. All people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't hear God's voice. Acts 13 says, One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. And finally, not finally, but on my list, you'll have no encounters with Christ without the Holy Spirit. Revelations 1 says, this is John uh, the apostle, they put him on the island of Patmos to die as a prisoner for preaching the gospel. And he says this, it was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the spirit. Suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. And it said, write a book, write in a book, everything you see. This was John the apostle. They tried to kill him, but he wouldn't die. So what do you do with a guy like that? So they put him on an island just to die eventually. And he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. That means he was worshiping in the spirit. And all of a sudden he heard a voice behind him and he turned around and it was the risen Christ, Jesus Christ, the King of glory standing there. And he said, write down everything I tell you, which is the book of revelation. All right. As a teacher, I don't want to just tell you about the Holy spirit. I want you to experience the Holy spirit. So I want to talk about how to experience the Holy Spirit, but I want to set it up by telling you how you will never experience the Holy Spirit. (sighs) 
John, what are you doing? Oh, hey, Mark. Oh, uh, well, I want the Holy Spirit, and so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to the top of this ladder so I can, so I can deserve the Holy Spirit. I want more what? of the Spirit in my life. I'm just trying to earn Him. What? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, if if, if you want more of the Holy Spirit in your life. You've got to be a holy person, and I'm trying to be a holy person. That's not how this works, John. That's not how this works. Well, sure it is. I mean, God, I mean, if you want the Holy Spirit in your life, you have to be holy. Duh. (sighs) Why are you going up and down? Oh, well, because it's so frustrating. Some days I'm good, and some days I'm not so good. Some days I'm good to my wife, and some days I'm good to my kids. Other days I'm yelling at them, and I'm frustrated. And some days I I pray and I read, but other days I deal with envy and lust and and greed and fear. And some days I give, and some days I don't. Stop, John, stop. That is not what the Bible teaches. Well, sure it is. Well, where did you learn that, any of that? I mean, well, I, I don't know, but God's not going to give the Holy Spirit to people that don't deserve Him. Actually, the Bible does say that. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. It doesn't sound right. Yeah, that's, that's right. Jesus gives the Holy Spirit to us as a gift. Here, let me read it to you from the Bible. Bible. From the Bible. Jesus said, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. That doesn't sound right. I don't believe that. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. I'm, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to try this. Are you thinking we have to do some things? Uh, uh, clearly, well, I mean, you've got to do something to deserve the Holy Spirit. God's just not going to give the Holy Spirit to anybody. Yes, He does. You do need to do three things. Ah, I knew it. Okay. I knew it. All right. Now you're speaking my language. Tell me, what do I need to do to get the Holy Spirit? Believe, receive, and give. Believe, receive, and give. No, that's too easy. That's too easy. (laughs) No, No way. You just need to believe in Jesus, receive his spirit, and then give what you have received to others. Nope. That's too easy. Look, my mama told me there's no free lunches in life. There's got to be a catch. So I'm just going to keep with my program. One day, I promise you, I'm going to be holy enough that I'm going to reach the top of this ladder and I'm going to be able to have the Holy Spirit. John, that is never going to happen. God knew that none of us could ever be holy enough. None of us through our own good behavior or good works could ever make it. That's why he came down as a man, Jesus, and paid the price for your sins, for my sins, for all of our sins. Jesus did everything for you and for all of us because he knew we could never do it for ourselves. That's the message of the gospel, the good news. So now if you believe in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you can receive the Holy Spirit as a gift, and then you can give the blessings of the Spirit to others. Are you sure? I'm, I'm sure. Bible. <laughs> now let's get rid of this ladder, okay? Well, well <laughs> no, 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 no. I need that. I no, need that. I no. Need that. All you need is Jesus. Oh. <laughs> Remember, believe, receive, and give. Say it, John. Say it with me. Believe, believe, receive, receive, give. Again, give. Believe, believe, receive, receive 
and give. give. Now everyone, believe, receive, and give. give. Again, believe, receive, and give. And one more time for good measure. Believe, receive, and, and give. Very good. Okay. But what do I do now? Believe, receive, and give. Well, so does that mean that I don't have to do the 30 for 30 anymore? I don't have to pray every day. I don't have to give. I don't have to be holy. I don't have to love my my neighbors, love myself. I don't have to do that anymore. We do all those things, but we do them to cultivate and to facilitate life in the Spirit. They don't earn the Holy Spirit, but they're ways to grow in relationship with God. So just do those things and you'll catch on quick. I'll try. Okay. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul climbed the ladder of religion faster and better than anyone on the planet ever has. He had a gold medal of living a perfect life. And he was arresting Christians and having them put in prison because he thought that it was a cult that was assaulting and insulting and trying to overthrow Judaism. But what he did not realize was, in Judaism, he did know that in Judaism, they, they prophesied, all the prophets in the Old Testament, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Nehemiah and Haggai, they all prophesied the coming one. They all prophesied that the Messiah would come, the King of the Jews, and the Savior of the world. Paul just didn't believe it was Jesus. And so he went around arresting Christians by the authority of the Roman government, just like us. We'd come into a meeting like this. We'd all be be arrested. We'd all be thrown into prison. Some would be tortured and some would be killed. And that was going on. The Bible says that Paul was a terrorist to the Christian church, and the church was terrified of the Apostle Paul. So Paul, who was known as the perfect Jew, climbing that ladder better than anybody else, He was on his way to Damascus to arrest some Christians, and Jesus, the resurrected Christ, appeared to him. Knocked him off his horse, blinded him, and preached the gospel to him. Paul gives his life to Christ. He goes to Ananias' house, which is a disciple of Christ. Ananias prayed for Paul, and the the physical blinders came off. He got a sight back, which is metaphorical for spiritual sight. Was filled with the Holy Spirit and became the Apostle Paul. Woo! Talk about a changed life. (laughs) That's a changed life. And so then Paul goes around the world and goes into towns, preaches the gospel. People believe it. And then he starts operating in miracles, raising the dead, deaf ears opening, blind eyes opening, casting out devils and and, uh, birthing churches. There was this one church in modern day Turkey, the church of Galatia. They were not Jews. They were just pagans. And they all got saved by hearing the gospel. And the Spirit of God, here's my point, family. The Spirit of God had been poured out in that church. These people don't know the Bible. They weren't raised in church. They're not religious. They knew nothing about a ladder. All they knew was they were living their pagan lives. This guy comes into town. He preaches the gospel, Jesus Christ died for your sins, rose from the dead. If you receive him as your Savior, your sins will be forgiven. They said, we believe. And then the Spirit of God came upon them. 
And they're all operating in the power of God and miracles, and it's amazing. But then some religionists, people who believe that you still have to climb the ladder, and they mix it with the gospel. Yeah, some of those churches are still around. Came down to Galatia when Paul wasn't there, and he started teaching these brand new Christians who were already filled with the Spirit, speaking in tongues, prophesying, having miracles happen. They come in and say, okay, now guys, you got to be circumcised. Well, how would you like that in our membership class here at the Gathering Place Church, right? All you got to do is sign in this dotted line, but first, we have this sharp knife in this little room in the back, and you'll be a member of the Gathering Place Church. You also, for those that don't know what the heck I'm talking about, uh, in Judaism, uh, circumcision was a, a sign that you were in covenant with God. In the New Testament, with Christians, the Bible, that was metaphorical of the circumcision of the heart. That is where when Christ, you give your life to Christ, it says that your heart is peeled back and God gives you a new heart and takes out your old heart. And so they said, you're supposed to worship on Saturday, not Sunday. You can't eat meat or, or, uh, or meat that is not lawful under the, the religious uh, laws. And they started laying down all these laws on these new believers. And the Apostle Paul heard about it. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul writes this to that Galatian church. This is the book of Galatians. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed. Everybody said believe. believe. Remember, believe, receive, and give. Right? Say it. Believe, receive, and give. He said, you received the Holy Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. See, my point today, as we continue reading, my point today, I want to I liberate you from thinking you have to be holy enough, good enough, pray enough, give enough, be enough to receive and operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the wrong ladder. That's the wrong track to run on. I want our church, I want everybody operating in the power of God. So, that's what Paul's talking about. He says, oh, how foolish can you be in verse 3? Are you starting your new lives in the Spirit? What? After you're starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. What I have found about what I have experienced in walking with the Lord for 40 years and being in many different uh, environments, uh, different churches and church meetings, I have found that those who focus on the rules, women have to wear things on their head. Women cannot wear pants. 
It always has to be a skirt. The guys, you have to wear a suit if you're going to preach. You have to worship on Saturday, not Sunday. You always have to use the Old King translation only. No other translation, right? And they start, I mean, I, I took over an organization, or I began overseeing an organization in Mexico. And when I took it over, the Lord said to me, there's a religious spirit in this organization. I'm going to use you to drive it out. I'm like, could you find someone else? It does not sound like a fun assignment. It took almost 10 years to route out religion from this organization. There was a pastor literally walking around the meetings that I was preaching, writing down the names of the teenage girls that were wearing pants rather than skirts. As though that was his divine assignment, which he thought it was. That he was pleasing God because he was reporting on who was not following the rules. They made you wait two years to get water baptized. Every baptism in the Bible was as soon as you get saved, you get water baptized. They made you go through two years of classes to prove that you were worthy to take that holy step. Man, they almost crucified me when I told them, we're not doing that anymore. Because the water baptism empowers you to live a spirit-filled life. You don't earn it. Everything is free in the kingdom of God. Now, does this mean that we do not value holiness and value character? God forbid. But it does not earn you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes you holy. Here's a a travesty that we have committed in Christianity. We have equated charisma with character. You see somebody prophesying, you see somebody preaching, you see somebody laying hands on somebody and they get healed. And you're like, wow, that person is full of the Holy Spirit. They must be so close to God. They might not be. They might be so far from God, it would shock you. In fact, it has when their sin is revealed on a public scale, sexual immorality, uh, uh, financial, um, uh, uh, lack of ethics financially, and adultery. And, you know, I mean, my wife and I was reading some articles just this week, and this guy took this pastor, I'm, and I'm not judging, I'm just saying, this pastor took some of the COVID, you know, relief money and bought a Mercedes and some other stuff with it, and like 150 grand he got, and just lied about, you know, having some nonprofit businesses, and, and so he's going to prison. But when you hear him preaching, and you see him up there, and he's operating the power of God, then you find out this other stuff is going on, you're like, how could this be? Because charisma, which is charis, which is the Greek word for gifts, spiritual gifts, Everybody say gifts. Spiritual gifts are not at all related to spiritual character. Character is developed over a lifetime of facing hardships, depending on God and the character of Christ is formed in you. Gifts are given to you. Like Friday night, we launched a new connect group right over here in John and Malika's place. It was awesome. We had a barbecue. Neighbors came out and Pastor Mark was there. Pastor Mark. You are a pastor because now you are the leader of that connect group. So Mark, it was his birthday. Hope and I got him a birthday gift. Did Hope and I give Mark Myers on Friday night a birthday gift because he deserved it? 
Not a chance. Not even close. Did we give him a birthday gift because he is so holy and because of his character? Did Hope and I sit in the car and go, now should we give, let's let's talk about Mark first before we give him this birthday gift. Is he really worthy of this gift? I don't know. I mean, where's the bar? I mean, where's the line? Where do we decide that he's worthy of this birth? No. Why did we give him a birthday gift? Because he was born. Thus, a birthday party. He gets gifts because he's here, because he exists. He didn't earn anything. You receive gifts of the Spirit because you were born again into the kingdom of God. As soon as you were born again, Jesus called to being born again. You received Christ as your Savior. He breathes his Holy Spirit into you. You didn't deserve it. In fact, you didn't deserve him. Breathes the Spirit into you, gives you spiritual gifts, and says, now go get them. Then you run, go, you, come, you, you come up to the pastor, hey, I want to be used by God. I want to pray for the sick. I want, and the pastor says, oh, well, hmm. Hmm. let's see how you're dressed. Let me see your Bible. What translation is that? Okay, now, hmm. let's see. Now, uh, how old are you? Oh, no, no, no. You're just a teenager. Oh, no, no, no. Forgetting about the mother Mary, forgetting about King David, who was a teenager, forgetting about the three Hebrew children who... They threw in their furnace and he didn't get burned up. I mean, thinking about John the Apostle who was a teenager, Timothy who was a young man. I mean, God does not... Do you think, do you think, when Jesus looked at the multitudes and it says he had compassion on them and it says he healed them all, do you think Jesus first sent his crew out into the crowd to interview them before they decided who was worthy to be healed and who was not worthy to be healed? Do you think he interviewed them? Yes or no? Then why are you interviewing yourself to see if you're worthy? I'm not worthy. And heaven's like, really? That's your defense? That, that's, that's your argument? That you're not worthy? Everybody up here knows you're not worthy. We already all know you're not worthy. That is what magnifies the grace of God. Your unworthiness is what qualifies you to receive the grace of God. If it's not grace, then it's a wage, meaning you get what you deserve. How many of you here want what you deserve? Okay, if you want from God what you deserve, raise your hand. I advise you not to, by the way, because it could happen right here in front of everybody. Right, it's like, whoa, I was just about to raise my hand. I'm glad he did first. Okay, how many of you want from God what you do not deserve? Okay, you can put your hand up safely now. His gifts, his mercy, his salvation, his presence, his comfort, all the list I read to you at the beginning of this message is all free. You say, well, so then I really don't have to worry about my holiness. I don't have to worry about my relationship with the Lord. I just want to operate in the power of God. And we've seen plenty of that, right? Well, let's see what Jesus says about that. In Matthew 7, verse 22 and 23, this is at the end of the age where we all come face to face with Jesus on that day. Jesus says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons 
and in your name perform many miracles, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. That Corinthian church was full of sin. They had some guy sleeping with his dad's wife. They were arguing about who's the greatest. They were arguing about, well, Paul's my teacher. uh, Peter's my teacher. Paul says, there's factions and divisions. Paul said, I can't even teach you guys. I can't even feed you with spiritual meat because you're acting like babies. However, that's the church, the Corinthian church. He had to write a letter to about how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit on a Sunday morning church service because they were operating in such power that it was just confusion. Everybody speaking in tongues and people prophesying. And Paul's like, stop, 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 stop. So here is an immature church that lacks character and maturity that's operating in the power of God because the gifts of the Spirit are gifts. You say, well, that's not the way I would do it. Me neither. Well, I'm not going to receive from anybody that I don't respect. Well, then you're going to miss out on a whole lot of God. And who are you? Like the most respectful person on the planet? Are you like Mr. or Miss Holy? No. In fact, it is so scandalous, so often... The people who are the most screwed up are the ones... I'm not saying this to anybody here who has the gift of prophecy. I'm just throwing this out as an example of other churches I have been in. You know they're in adultery. You know that they are living in sin. You know that... I mean, because I was pastoring a mega church here in San Diego, and there's just a lot of humanity. And there'd be somebody I was counseling like on Friday, and they're just messed up, and they're cheating on their wife, and they're at church on Sunday, and then they prophesy, and it's God. And I'm like... God, my brain's going to break. I'm like, why would God choose to use that person? Well, just look in the mirror. I mean, where is your holiness bar where you decide who's qualified for God to use and who's not? I know, it's uncomfortable, isn't it? Are we going to put a person like that in leadership? No. Are we going to have that person disciple people? No. That's a character issue. But for some reason, God has decided to pour out His Spirit on all flesh. Because we all need the Holy Spirit. But believe you me, if there's somebody operating the power of God, and they're excusing their sin, which is a mistake. When a person's operating the power of God, you can think, wow, I know that I've been sleeping with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. I know that I have not been living a holy life in some way and yet when i laid hands on that person they got healed so then we have a wrong conclusion god's really not that concerned about my sin wrong everybody say wrong turn to your neighbor and say wrong just like that no he cares very much about sin because sin hurts us and those in our lives he cares about character but it's separate from the release the power I know some of you right now are going tilt like this I know it's just the way God is. look what look what Peter says we're going to come to a close here look what Peter says in Acts chapter 3 verse 11 through 16 Jesus rose from the dead Peter and John are going to church they all and okay I have to set this up Peter and John are going to going to church for the hour of prayer There's a guy lame. 
He hasn't walked since he was born. And Peter and John are walking into the church, and the guy goes, can I have some money, you know, begging? And Peter and John say, silver and gold, we don't have any. What we do have, we'll give to you. And they grab him by the hand, he raises up, energy goes into his legs. All of a sudden, he's walking, he goes into church, dancing around, hugging Peter and John, and everybody's freaking out because they know the guy because he was right there laying down at the door on their way into church. They know he was paralyzed, he's been there for years, and now he's dancing around the church. So we pick up the story there. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Peter saw his opportunity and addressed the crowd. People of Israel, what is so surprising about this? And why do you stare at us? Here we go. Why stare at us as though we had made this man walk by our own power or, say it out loud, godliness. Peter knew all too well himself. For it is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of all of our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus whom you handed over and rejected before Pilate, despite Pilate's decision to release him. You rejected this holy righteous one and instead demanded the release of a murderer. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. And we are witnesses of this fact. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. What qualified Peter and John to operate in the power of God? Was it their character? What was it? Their faith in the name of Jesus. We do not achieve the gifts, we receive the gifts. This last scripture, Acts 2, says, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will, say it out loud, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those who are far away. All who have been called by the Lord our God. The Holy Spirit's a gift. The gifts of the Spirit are gifts. Our holiness is between us and the Lord, and we will see Him face to face one day. And I'm hoping that He says to me, well done, good and faithful servant. Not because I was perfect, but because at least I was trying. At least I'm doing my best to serve you as well as I can as your pastor. And I'm loving my wife, loving my kids, doing what I can. That's Christian sanctification, Christian character. That's service. This other thing we're talking about during this series, the power of God is a gift. And every one of you who have given your life to Jesus Christ can operate in the power of God. So let's all stand. And let's believe, receive, and give. Say it with me. Believe, receive, give. Say it again. Believe, receive, 
give. Okay, we had somebody yawning over here, which is, which is just the worst thing ever for a preacher. So we have to say it all over again so she can participate. I won't say who it was. Ready? Here we go. Believe, receive, give. One more time. Believe, receive, and give. Okay. All right, let's just, let's just open our hands heavenward. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, right now is your moment. Either online or here in this church service, if you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, and you believe that He truly is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and that He died for your sins. If you don't know where you're going to go when you die, you don't know if your sins have been forgiven or can be, Jesus can take care of that. So right now, whether you're here or there, just say to Him, right off your lips, say, Jesus, I believe. I believe who You said You were, the Son of God. I believe You died for my sins. And I believe God raised you from the dead. And I'm making you my Savior right now. Just tell Him. He's, he's, he's watching you. He hears you. He wants you. He's calling you. He's drawing you. You feel that in your heart. The desire to receive Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you. Say, I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior. Now ask Him. Everybody, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Just say, Holy Spirit... I need you or I need more of you. Just ask Him. Say, Holy Spirit. You are the one who makes me holy. You are the one who empowers me. You are the one who comforts me. Come upon me now. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. We ask you to do signs, miracles, and wonders among us. So that we can leave this place and give your healing power to a suffering world. Come on, let's welcome the Holy Spirit. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing Of Of the the mercies of God All my life All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice I love your voice You have led me through the fire And darkest night you are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend I have lived 
and the goodness of God. All my life, all my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Your goodness. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. With my life laid down, surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. All my life, let's sing. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able. Yes, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life. You have been faithful. Oh, 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 oh. And all my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Yes, I will sing of the goodness of God. Sing of the goodness of God. Come on, if the Lord is good, let's up the praise. Hallelujah. Oh. Amen. If you prayed that prayer earlier and gave your life to Jesus, I would love to talk to you up front here. You can, as uh, as we as we dismiss here in a second, if you just come on up and let me pray with you and talk to you about next steps. If you want uh, a deeper encounter with the Holy Spirit, maybe this message stirred you up to want more. The prayer teams are going to be coming up here and they'll pray with you. They'll lay hands on you. Um, You'll many times receive prophecy, a prophetic word. Maybe you'll get your spiritual language. Maybe your body will be physically healed. Paul said that we are to eagerly desire and pursue ardently the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Let's let the Holy Spirit know we want more of you. So prayer teams, if you guys will come on up. And um, if you need prayer for anything, you can make your way up. Otherwise, I bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and say it out loud, the Holy Spirit. Go be the salt and light of the world. Amen.